Ditch the fairy tale, princess. It's time to step outside the status quo and blaze your own trail. The path littered with setbacks, successes, and newfound passions. Why? Because when you break away from the script, you start to pursue a life by choice. One that is all yours. Live unscripted and rewrite your life. You know, one thing's true on this show. We're all about keeping it real AF here. So let me ask you a question. Are your finances feeling like a roadblock to your big dreams? Journey to Financial Freedom, JFF, is here for you. They specialize in helping business owners get their finances in order. Their mission? To help you gain clarity and confidence around your cash flow so you can focus on growing your empire and start living the life of your wildest dreams. JFF is not your average financial coach. They mix smart, tactical strategies with a deep understanding of the emotional side of money. They know that it's often our underlying beliefs and habits that hold us back financially. With JFF, you're not just sorting out your finances, you're transforming your mindset to one of success and abundance. So how are you feeling about your money lately? Let's level up together, babe. Book your free strategy call with JFF using the link in the show notes and turn those financial desires into a vibrant reality. Welcome to my podcast where I'm already telling dumb jokes. It's your girl, Jess Bergio with another episode of Unscripted. Today's guest, I've been waiting with bated breath for a taste of her fucking crazy as her friend Sam Skelly calls her. <laughs> so, so Ashley, girl, welcome to the show. How are you? We're going on hinge, girl. Let's go. Woo! Bring it. <laughs> yeah. My people know that sometimes we do fuck yeah Friday episodes. I'm totally down for Tuesdays being maybe turn up Tuesday. So if yeah. you're here for it, let's create a turn up Tuesday. So you not only help write TEDx, yeah. you know, things you 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 help people book spots on stages. You you've done it all. You have a podcast with over three million downloads. You're a best selling author. Cool. Did you just wake up here, or was there like some? some traction that you had to gain in order to get the momentum to stay in the game and keep doing the things. Because as we talked about, I feel like I speak to a lot of people who are kind of stuck in between different seasons and they're looking at women like you and, and, you know, we can't, we can't help but think, Oh, must be nice. Yeah. Right? We want to know, we want to know a little behind the scenes. So can you walk us through some of the, some of the ways that you got to where you're at now? Yeah, I definitely didn't wake up like this. And it's been a series of failing upwards and looking cool in between and then feeling like a storm. And if there's anything I've learned, so I used to be a career coach and now I have a career coach on my team and I have all these courses for careers. I, you know, for those of anyone who doesn't know me, which I assume most people don't, I worked in national security for Obama during his administration and yeah, it's been a ride. And you know what I learned is a couple things. Number one, when you follow what feels right for you, even if you maybe know it's not your forever, if something about it feels right. I'm not talking about being irresponsible. Like, you know, he's not my forever, but tonight it feels right. Like, I mean, sure, do it. But like, I think there's something a little more deep that we have this knowing of like, we want to pursue this thing, even if it's not forever. And what I found is that when you live your life that way and you allow your career and your life to be an experiment, what's right for you often will show up on the periphery. And my work, so my book is called U-Turn, Y-O-U, and my show's U-Turn podcast. It's all about this idea of making a Y-O-U turn, like coming home to yourself, reconnecting to the essence of who you truly are, and having those critical moments where you get deeply honest with yourself about something that's not working. And instead of pushing it down when it bubbles up, you actually decide it's time to make a difference and change things in your life. And what I've learned in my work with U-Turn was my book kind of has this 12-step framework and it tells my story of working in national security, but it's, it's not, it's a book about me, but it's not about me at all. It's really about 
the things I learned in my career. And I found as I was writing that book that there truly seems to be three lily pads that people kind of can exist on in their career. And the first one is kind of where most people are. I think it's the, the most recent statistic I read is, is around 71% of the workforce where they don't love what they're doing, but they don't know where to go next. And they don't maybe they don't care enough to do something, not because they don't care about themselves, because it's working in some way, right? Like it's paying the bills properly. It's structured properly. Maybe they're a new mother with kids, whatever the arrangement is. And then I think the second lily pad is for people who do my work. They want to know what their gift is. And the message in my book, U-Turn, is don't do what you love. Don't follow your passion do what you are. And so when you really tune into that message, what my work is really about is helping people get into the question of who am I and how do I turn that into a career? Because I deeply believe that when you operate in your zone of genius, everything comes easier, obviously, and things become more fun. And there's a lot of research that backs that when you're doing work that aligns with your skill set, you're having a better time because it feels good to do good. And I would say that second lily pad is really about knowing your gift. And that's what my book is really designed to do. That's what my programs are designed to do. And anyone who really commits to that path, whether it's through me or anyone or themselves, what I've found is that on that lily pad, when you know what your gift is, because I think most people on the first lily pad, they're like, there's got to be something more, but I don't really know myself enough to go pursue it or choose it. But when you know enough about yourself, because I think that's the key to happiness and fulfillment, right? If you don't know yourself, you say yes to things that are actually a no and life becomes a shitstorm, like you're cleaning up all the time versus living your life and being in a flow state and having fun. It's a, There's a lot of anxiety to cleanups, right? Like accepting that it's not working, talking to people about it not working, undoing it, whatever it is. So when you make it to self-knowing, when you make it to a lily pad two, the game the work, the career, the life you're living, it becomes a game of yes or no. It becomes a game of filtering because when you know your gift, you're able to say, yes, this opportunity on the periphery aligns for me or no. And opportunities are just as abundant and inspiring as they are distracting. At their best, they're inspirational and expansive. At their worst, opportunities are distracting and send you down a rabbit hole. So it's not, it's about not holding on and grabbing onto something just because. Mm. That last piece is I've literally been telling myself that on repeat and also reaffirming that with my clients. And I think I've done a few podcast episodes. I always say opportunities can either be obviously, you know, disguised as an opportunity or a distraction. And often, often it's a distraction. And it's the people who are not self-knowing who let those things take them out or get them excited. I was definitely on the first lily pad for years, you know, as a beauty entrepreneur in an industry where someone told me it wasn't a real career, I couldn't make a, a, a real meaningful living out of it. I chased the fun and it did end up paying out like you're saying. But then I got to a point where I would proved, right, quote unquote, everybody wrong and myself right. And I was everything was good. And I did have a small child. And there was a time where I was like, OK, what's worked isn't going to work anymore if I want to be more active in his life. So the pain point of staying comfortable started to shift into uncomfortableness where I had to start missing things and, you know, clients came before family. And so that's what had me explore the different avenues of helping people in a different way. So right. I love that you shared that piece of it and gave us that insight because everyone loves a good framework and we love to find ourselves in a story of, OK, well, if they went from there to there or 71 percent, that's a lot of people. That's yeah. a lot of people to feel like, hey, I'm not alone. There's nothing wrong with me that I can't figure out like what that next might move might be for me. But 
Right. I love that you speak to the part about not necessarily chasing, you know, what what you think is so personal, but what's where's the fun? Where where is the things that bring you a lot of joy? Because on the hard days for me, I know that's what keeps me in the game. Yeah. It's not just about it being exciting anymore. Because long after motivation's gone and we've started the thing, there's got to be that discipline or that reason or that why that you're going to keep showing up and doing those things. So what is it about your work that you do that keeps you in it, that keeps you so inspired to do the podcast, to write the book, to keep helping people share their message? Yeah, it's the truth. Like, so everybody has different core values, right? So one of my core values is the truth. And the truth is subjective. So it's what's true for me and who I am. When I look at my values, I value fun. I value freedom. I value the truth. I value self-expression. I value connection. Like, look at my life and that's all you're going to see. And if you don't yeah. see it, I'm, I'm usually pretty, you know, not pleased about it. So I'm trying to, of course, correct. That being said, life has a cost of admission and a lot of people don't want to pay it. My business, no matter how much I love it, comes with tech glitches, comes with hiring often, but not the case, but sometimes firing, which I really don't like. And we need to be willing to do it. And I, as I mentioned, there's three li- lily pads, right? So you can exist on the second one for a long time of saying yes and no and just being a filtering system. And you can watch your career soar when you're willing to be experimental because sometimes it's not just about taking an opportunity, but it's about letting yourself try it on like a pair of jeans and deciding over time if it works for you and course correcting along the way. It takes a really brave person to do that. If you look at my career, I started a national security and counterterrorism in my early 20s. On the periphery of that, I realized I was a great job seeker. Like, I, I, it was the recession and I landed a ton of job offers. So on the periphery of that, I started a coaching business, which coaching wasn't really that cool in 2012. But, you know, I started a weird website with like a cartoon of me that didn't even look like me. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Granted, eventually that business started to soar because I was really on purpose with my skill set. My core skill set, and I talk about my book, I think it's chapter two or three. There's 10 core skill sets I think truly exist in the workplace. Obviously, there's got to be more, but largely people fit into these. Not that anyone fits in a box, but their general directions encompasses. My core skill set is words. So when you look at my business and anything I've done, if you, and you look at my bank account, it comes back to words, right? Like that's how I'm monetizing. So on the periphery of my counterterrorism career, I started a job hunting business because I noticed in the experiment that is life that I am really great at job searching. That taught me eventually everything about e-learning and marketing because after coaching 100 people, I realized I don't want to repeat myself on job hunting anymore. I created an online course. I learned everything there is about digital marketing, coached tons of entrepreneurs on webinar writing and course launches and all these things, but I didn't enjoy it because eventually I realized I'm a creative writer. And even though webinars and courses are a lot of creative writing, there's a lot more that goes into it. I ended up giving a couple of TED Talks one went super viral and I ended up getting a speaking agent. I ended up on the periphery of that, right? So the TED Talk came because of the job hunting business, right? On the periphery, I took the TED Talk. I got a speaking agent because it just attracted him. I got a spokesperson deal with SoFi and, you know, so many different things along the way that happened. But the point being, these are all things that showed up on the periphery. And when you take these things and your filtering gets more accurate with your yeses and nos, you land on the third lily pad, which is really dharma. Like I think about Kobe Bryant, people like that. I felt a sense of dharma when I was writing my TED Talk, when I was writing my book. It's all words. It's all my core skill set. And it was like a lost sense of time. Like energy was just moving through me. Words were just typing through my, my hands were typing them. It, it almost felt like it was happening to me. And so not everybody hits that third lily pad. And 
remember that the swim in between each can be years, right? Like this, and it's not to give you an excuse to not take action. It's that sometimes we don't have an elegant idea. I know Napoleon Hill calls it that in Think and Grow Rich. I ended up leaving my career coaching practice because on the periphery of my TED Talk, I remember telling my therapist, I wish that I could just get paid to write these TED Talks and not actually give any speeches because I don't like what my nervous system does with people looking at me. I'm more of an introvert than people realize. And, you know, lo and behold, I started a TEDx business. My TEDx talk went super viral, became top 100 on the internet for the past few years. And now I've written 67 TED Talks and I booked 97% of those talks and those clients on stage for a TEDx talk. And now I have a team of speechwriters. My company is called Wise Whisper and I feel so aligned and it's been like a 15-year journey to get to this point of self-expression and truth. Wow. I mean, you could go now and the world, like the world would be so much better for you, like following and chasing your dharma, which was at the end of the day, kind of what kept speaking to you and kept popping up on every lily pad like you were referring to. And and you're right. I think so many people want to skip the steps and the swim in between and just get to the final destination where you wouldn't have anything to share or talk about if you hadn't been swimming, if you hadn't been collecting those words over the years, you wouldn't have as much to say and you wouldn't have it it come from a really like knowing place. And I think that's the part we forget is we have to live through the experiences. We have to go through the journey ourselves in order to then help somebody else if that's the arena you're in or even to create like an impact because we have to have done some things in order to like share how we got there or how we got through it. And yeah, I just I really do feel like people want to skip those steps. And it's it's interesting because I know that's why we hire coaches and that's why we hire people to help us with things is to not necessarily skip the steps, but kind of skip the line of all of the oopses and I should have's and maybe money that could have been wasted or better invested, I guess, if you will, into the right areas of our life. But you're right. If you hadn't shown up and done some of those things, you would have never known. Maybe you would have ID, 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 ID what's the word? Thought that speaking would have felt different than it did. Like, and then you were given the opportunity and you're like, yeah, no, this is not what I want to do. And people listening are probably like, what do you mean? Oh my gosh, I would love to be a speaker and have a speaker, you know, uh, agent and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you really tapped into it's not just about my nervous system, it's about the fact that I would rather help other people do this. And I love that. I love that. I wonder how many people listening are like, yeah, I actually don't need to be chasing the dream that it looks like everyone else has. I need to actually be staying in what feels good, what feels aligned for me. But sometimes the world and and online is so noisy and busy. Like, how do we tap in and really listen to our own intuitive gifts? Like, do you have any insight for that? Were there times where you felt like you, quote unquote, should have been doing more? Like, maybe I shouldn't give up the speaking gigs because it's creating more visibility for me and my business. Did you have to kind of have those conversations with yourself where you were like, how do I listen to what is actually for me? I, the moment I decided to do this TEDx business, I've never had an easier time signing clients and growing business. So I think, I mean, truly, like I haven't, I have a career coach on my team, I think is really epic. She's really alive about it. My aliveness is in telling people's stories and, and distilling somebody's life into 12 minutes and getting them on stage to share it everything from animal rights activists to best-selling authors to surgeons coming in and wanting to like really impact the world through what they're saying. It's funny because impact is something I value, but self-expression is really what drives me. And so I've just been working with people to express themselves and to express myself with their work. And what I found is that, you know, it is part of the experiment to get here. 
And what's really scary is the the in-between. We don't really know if we're going to get there, whatever there means, right? Like we can go years thinking like, is there a destination we're going to get to? Like, where are we? You know? Yeah. And we can't help but be humans. And now we have this online world of this, like, we can see into the lives of so many other people. And whereas 20 years ago, when I was sitting on that one lily pad of indecision, I didn't really know what else all was possible. You know, like you said, in the coaching space didn't really quite exist all the way. And there was certain things that I was like, why didn't anybody tell me this could have been a job? You know, why didn't anybody push me down this path and explore my creative side? Because when I got into the beauty industry and clients would tell me, oh, you're so creative. I thought, no, I'm not. I'm just doing what you told me to do. Like, I'm just a good listener. But I parlayed being creative and a good listener into what made me an exceptional stylist and was able to retain clients for, you know, 15, 20 years. And taking the skill sets of that one-on-one interaction and, and actually being in my purpose in Dharma is what allowed for me to see all of the gifts I had been working on over 20 plus years with the clients I had that had nothing to do with the results of their hair at the end. It was like, why did they continue to come back? What was the energy that was exchanged? So all of that was 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 a journey of self-exploration, like you said, but really of self-expression. What part of what I was doing did I like the most that I could then make scalable, if you will, or take the equation out of and put the core values that I was really trying to embody like freedom, like fun, like time expansion. It it just, I couldn't do it when I owned a brick and mortar and I couldn't do it when I was literally physically trading time for money. I'm fine to do non-scalable things to keep my business afloat. I know it, it evolves around me and I know I speak to a lot of people who are still in that early stage of not able to scale yet. So we get confused sometimes when we're pushed in directions where we're like, it's not a real business if you can't take yourself out of it, or it's not, you know, it's not worth your time or effort if you can't eventually scale it. And I'm like, you know, part of the the group that got brainwashed, I think a few years ago as to, you can't get to that place in your life or business until you actually do the non-scalable stuff. So you actually writing the talks, you getting on stages, you writing your book, you showing up every day doing your podcast, you still do plenty of shit that's quote unquote, not, not scalable in yeah. order to have other areas of your business and life scale, right? So yeah. can we speak to, obviously, you know, your stages, your podcast now as well, as far as the book and you getting on other people's shows or whatever, but how has a podcast now with 3 million downloads probably plus helps really create more visibility for you and elevate even your network? I Because I speak to a lot of people who are getting, you know, either curious or interested or want to start a podcast. I also run a media agency that helps people start their podcasts. Because like you, words are my thing. And and I feel like it's the best way for people to connect their voice to their brand and kind of really figure out who they are by talking into a microphone. Mm, I think that a podcast has given me authority in ways that I never would have really calculated. So an example of that is I talked to a large TV network about having them like have me as a recurring person on their network. And they were very keen to see my work in podcasting. They were very keen to see that they had it positioned me as somebody who has hosting skills, for example, as a TV host, which I never would have thought would be something I'd be considered for. So that was really surprising. Like, oh, wow, something as what I would call to be simple as podcasting, at least simple for me, is allowing me to be seen as someone with hosting and interview skills that I can contribute into my career, whether I want to be a speaker, whether I want to be a TV show personality. So there's been a a ton of unexpected things that I've discovered in my my work with 
you know, doing what I'm doing in podcasting. I also think it's a networking tool, right? Like there are so many guests who have come on my podcast and they didn't know that I was doing TEDx because maybe their publicist pitched them to be on my show and my team accepted their pitch based on their sample. And next thing I know, they're sending us three TED clients and it's 25K plus per person to work with us. And so my podcast is literally like a lead generator I didn't even see coming from the networking it's bringing me. And I'm so grateful for that as an entrepreneur. And I think it's never too late to start, obviously. And it actually isn't too late. Like when we look at YouTube and the millions of channels there are, there's around, I think it's like 11 million podcasts and only 470,000 have released a show episode in the past 90 days. So I actually think there's so much space in the podcast market that people aren't realizing. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see on someone's page like 3 million downloads, 10 million downloads. But if you think about being in the early stages of your business, how many clients can you actually handle, right? Majority can't take on more than a handful at a time, especially if you're doing things at a high level. So even to get 50 or 100 downloads on an episode is still epic and moving the needle. And not only are you serving and providing free value, like she said, you're elevating your presence, right? If, if not that many people are willing to be brave, like you said earlier, and put themselves out there, how are you going to discover what's next for you? Or how are you going to even know what the other lily pad at the end is supposed to look like? You've never yeah. been there. And that's what I always speak to is like, you're scared and there's fear around things because you've never been there. So how are you supposed to know what it's meant to feel like? And you don't know if it's something you want until you try it on. There was a season for me for a long time where I would get, I don't know if we want to call it flack, but just from people of like, you're kind of all over the place. And I see you doing this and I see you doing that. And I was like, A, I'll never say I have regrets in my life because I did try a lot of things. But B, I started to think something was wrong with me too because I couldn't just land on something and stick with it. I think everything that I tried, I was playing just a little bit small in the beginning. And it was like I was willing to take a half a step and still toe dip and not really fully leave something to start something else. And you know, I got half-assed results because of that. And it wasn't until I went all in uh -huh. and really tried something on did I see, well, fuck, this was a distraction or, oh, no, this is like such a great opportunity. I can't believe I almost missed out on this because I was too scared. You know, you shared so many amazing things of like the next thing led you to the next thing. And just back to your point about podcasting, I find that all of the reasons now that I push people or encourage people into starting a show I didn't even know they existed. I didn't even think about letting my podcast be a prospecting tool. I literally selfishly, again, back to talking and loving to pick people's brain, was like, wow, the girl who was always told she talked too much, asked too many questions, was too nosy, who who chose her first career to, that wasn't a real quote unquote job doing here 25 years ago wasn't like necessarily cool. And here we go again doing a podcast, which is another not real job. What is she doing? But I think if you just stay true to yourself, like you said in the very beginning of this episode and lean into what feels fun, there are certainly days I'm sure like you where you're like, the last thing I want to do is podcast. The last thing I want to do is interview someone. But the fact that every time I get on one and I have a great conversation with a human like you, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. this is why we do it. And hopefully someone listening gets fired up and they're motivated or they're like, finally, I'm going to match up with Ashley. We're going to go to her team and I'm going to write this goddamn TED talk that I've been talking about. Like my boyfriend's wow. coming to you guys. I already decided Aww. he's speaking on stages now and he just he comes home and he's like, this is where I love to be. Completely opposite oh, of what you said. He's like, yeah. I get up there and I'm so calm. And he's like, everyone tells me I'm just amazing. And, I, you know, mic drop moments. And I just part of me cringes because as a woman, we were conditioned. I don't know about you listening or you, Ashley, if this happened to you, but like not to brag on ourselves, not to speak super highly of ourselves, not to, you know, wave your flag of like, I'm more awesome maybe than someone else. But 
we decided that somehow if we say we're awesome, that makes someone less than. And I feel like in the in the male arena, they do that a lot less. Like they're way more okay being like, I'm a fucking badass. And so I just I cringe inside and then I just say, I am so proud of you. And I can't wait till one day I see you talking on national stages. And, you know, I think what's so cool is that there's people like you who are also willing to like help other people create visibility, be seen, change their life by having a TED talk like that go viral. Who knows what that would look like? So if you guys are listening and these are things that you are interested in or you want to get more information on, go to Ashley's page. She's on Instagram. I'm sure there's lots of ways you can work with her just by checking out the website. But in the meantime, go tune into the podcast, the U-Turn podcast. That's Y-O-U-Turn podcast and the book, obviously, if you want more insight on just that framework of maybe where you're like, I don't really know where I'm at or what lily pad I'm hanging out on, but I kind of need to know where I'm at before I figure out where I want to go. I think that's my best piece of advice for anybody who's kind of sitting in that indecision or needed some sort of permission to like get out of that in-between phase because it is sometimes hard to, you know, get unstuck if what you've been doing kind of has been working. And, and, you know, like you said earlier, the only way we know is if we start to get a little bit more brave and put ourselves out there and get curious. And so many people have accessibility pieces like a podcast or a book that you could learn from without ever having to quote unquote bother them. You can go ingest all the things. And like you said, when you want to learn something, you took things to a course, you learned everything about digital marketing, and now look at what you've accomplished. So you guys, anything is possible. We love talking about all the ways in which we can help you get motivated, get unstuck, get clear, and take some action. This podcast is here to help you grow and realize that you are worth putting the effort in, taking the time, and just really owning your fucking power this year. Ashley, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with moving into the early early part of the year? Maybe it's to light a little fire into their ass. Yeah, I think it's just remembering who you are always wins. Like if you're not being who you are now, it's going to shine through later and you're going to have to course correct. So you might as well get straight to it. So you start creating things that actually last. Boom. Awesome. This was a good Turn Up Tuesday episode. Thank you for helping me find my power and own that. And do not come at me trying to get on this podcast if you are not ready to turn up on a Tuesday. Because honestly, like I'm done with the basic fucking boring ass interviews. So if you're a PR agent and you're listening to this podcast, please fuck off and don't message me with anyone who's not this level of energy because I just honestly I'm over it and you said I have to take life by the horns is what I heard and so that's my you know if you actually do listen to the show and you caught that um yeah please don't come out with any boring guests okay thanks bye (laughs) all right Ashley you guys check her out on Instagram follow the podcast and let us know if you had any aha moments or takeaways from today's episode and we will see you on the next episode of unscripted Which one of your girls needs to hear this one? Send this to someone who could use a smile, some encouragement, and a little love from this edgy podcast host. Much thanks and all the love.